0: Track 10, Becoming Kerry, the post-medieval landscape. Sometime in the early 1400s, a local man set about constructing a wooden platform at Manor East 4. Carefully trimming the alder branches he carried with him, he pinned them in the ground, there to fulfil some long-lost purpose. With their discovery in 2011, these modest remains became the only high medieval archaeology identified on the route of the bypass. Nonetheless, the centuries immediately before and after this medieval carryman set out with his wooden burden were dramatic ones for the valley, the county and the country. It was a time when the great Anglo-Norman Fitzgeralds of Desmond, the founders of Tralee Town, came and went. It was also a period when war ravaged the countryside, as a succession of catastrophic conflicts engulfed the island in the 16th and 17th centuries. When the cannons finally fell silent, a new Anglo-Irish social order had been established. The changes they wrought on the landscape during the 18th and 19th centuries brought great advancements in infrastructure and land use. But for multitudes, They would also be a harbinger of famine, hardship, and sustained immigration. It was into this changing landscape that the mapmakers of the Ordnance Survey arrived in 1841. One of the townlands they visited that year was Lismore. As they hauled their survey equipment along the roads and through the fields, they could not fail to notice the local Big House, rising away to the south. But these men were just as concerned with the humble dwellings of Lismore's ordinary tenants. Their homes were concentrated in the northern part of the townland, huddled together in the midst of a small patchwork of fields and outbuildings. As they went about their work, the surveyors likely shared pleasantries with some of the inhabitants, people like the Savages, the Collins or the Aherns. What none realised was that this map, so carefully prepared, would be a final recording of a settlement that was facing its doom. By the time the next set of mapmakers came around 50 years later, all they would meet were silent green fields. When the archaeologists came to Lismore, the remains of three of these vernacular houses awaited them. Excavations revealed that they had been between 12 and 16 metres in length, some 4.5 metres in width. They had been cast up using unmortared sandstone, and their only floor was one of packed clay. Inside each were the remains of a hearth. This had been the centre of life in the building, used for cooking, for warmth and for socialising. The often large families that congregated around these fires had occupied only a portion of the building. Of the two internal spaces within their homes, they had to make do with the smaller. The larger was given over to the livestock that were so vital to their existence. The poverty of these people was reflected in the artefacts they left behind. Everything was utilitarian, durable but cheap creamware pottery, simple buttons and beads, a discarded whetstone. We can never know what became of these inhabitants, but ominously, the buildings went out of use in the decades that surrounded the great famine. Perhaps they were among the thousands of Kerry people who perished during that great calamity. Or perhaps they were more fortunate, surviving to build a new life elsewhere, far across the seas. While the Lismore Houses highlighted the hardships of 19th century life, other post medieval sites from the project were testament to ongoing endurance and resilience. One building that did survive the famine was a smithy at Thrumtaka, where a blacksmith once plied his trade. The tools he forged were vital for locals engaged in a constant battle to improve the land. They also turned to the local geology to aid them in that fight. Their ready access to limestone allowed for the production of quicklime, which they used to improve the soil. No less than six lime kilns were discovered on the project. This was but one of a number of stratagems designed to improve their yields. Among the others uncovered were the ubiquitous field drains and culverts that crisscross the landscape. just as their prehistoric ancestors had taken seasonal advantage of the river floodplain to supplement their economy, 19th century farmers and labourers sought to do the same. At Camp 1 and Camp 5, seasonal brick clamp kilns drew on clay from the floodplains to produce bricks for use both at home and for sale in Tralee. Across millennia of change, some things remain constant. In the Lee Valley, one of those constants has been the importance of the river and its floodplain. The archaeological excavations revealed how another constant, the agricultural tradition that has dominated Kerry for some 6,000 years, has simultaneously been the greatest driver of change. The excavations on the bypass have unravelled that story, told through the countless generations who impacted the valley. Each of them have contributed in their turn towards the creation of the landscape that surrounds us today.